Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Thanks to this week's sponsor, Bonningale Nurseries in Shropshire. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to exchange some news, views, a bit of seasonal advice and hopefully answer some of your gardening quandaries along the way. In the diary for the past few days, well, at last, the dust is settling after the hectic uh, Chelsea show fortnight. And now, when I can get some petrol, plants brought back need transporting to the RHS garden at Hyde Hall and setting out in uh, floral fantasia. It was the fruit and vegetable show at uh, Hyde Hall last weekend and non-stop rain on Saturday made giant pumpkin weigh in difficult I've never really remembered a day quite like it. I've got a wheelbarrow that's absolutely full of water. It just didn't stop raining. Slowed my efforts to get the garden back into some sort of order, I can tell you. But it did allow several hours to uh, sort out great heaps of accumulated paper from the kitchen table. I can at last see the surface once again. What's new? Well... (laughs) Every week there seems to be plenty of changes going on and uh, the last few days are no exception. We hear the Director General of the RHS for the past 11 years, Sue Biggs, is to retire next June. Uh, I was interested too to read a report from Veg Power that found vegetable sales had increased by 10% in the year ending March 21st compared to the previous year. VegPower is a not-for-profit community interest funded to turn around vegetable consumption in the UK. This 10% increase was thought to be due to uh, some 40-plus percent of the population, 14 million people in all, having to work from home. Many used the uh, extra time they got not travelling to scratch, cook, Uh, eat together and improve the quality of their diet. 10% of the working population are expected to permanently change their working habits, apparently. Staying at home increased uh, online shopping from 8% January 2020 to 16% a year later, and 50% of that is expected to stay. People are also likely to shop uh, more locally, apparently. Uh, Independent retailers, too, boomed by uh, 69%. Of course, the big question is just what's going to happen in the future. Among the many questions coming through, 
uh, this week because there have been several on the orange spots seen on pear leaves. I mean, this is uh, the clear symptom of rust, a relatively new arrival. And if you just have one or two leaves affected, well, then they need to be picked off and destroyed. Where there's quite a lot of infection uh, and it's on big, tall trees, well, there's not much you can do at this time of the year, except when the leaves fall, rake up as many as you can. If you seal them in black polythene bags for two years, that will uh, compost down to leaf mould and uh, reduce the infection. And the other thing to do is to put a smothering mulch over the surface so that uh, the spores from those fallen leaves can't uh, splash up and reinfect trees. This week's guest on the podcast is Graham Ross, a name which will likely be very familiar to listeners down under because Graham is one of Australia's best-known horticultural broadcasters. Graham retired as principal of Australia's largest horticultural college in 1980 and started presenting on television that same year. Graham also presents The Garden Clinic Show on the 2GB radio network. He also leads tours, taking keen gardeners and horticultural fans to gardens around the world with his own company, Ross Tours. Graham lives in New South Wales with his wife Sandra, a broadcaster in her own right, and with whom Graham has two adult sons. I've known Graham a long time and have missed seeing him while the pandemic prevents travel. We'd normally catch up at least once a year at Chelsea, but sadly this has been impossible for the last two years. Because Graham and I had so much to say to one another, uh, I'm afraid we uh, rabbit on for quite a while. So we've decided to split our chat into two parts. This week, you'll be able to hear Graham talk about the gardens and places he likes to visit. And next week, we'll be sharing parts of the conversation that are more Australia-centric. I kicked off the conversation by asking Graham just how long he'd been in the business now. G'day, my dear friend, Peter. Well, um, radio's 41 years. I think sometimes they don't know I'm there. (laughs) (laughs) The television, uh, I was there with episode one, which was 95. So that's taken me to 1,200, 1,200 episodes in 26 years. Um, I don't think they know I'm there either. But (laughs) (laughs) Well, the viewers must know you're there and the listeners. (laughs) The viewers. Look, you know, I've always felt and I've always been told by by elders in the media industry way back in the 80s that it's all up to your viewers and to your listeners. And as you know, it's up to your readers. And we've always focused on our readers of newspaper articles and magazines and our listeners and our viewers who are incredibly loyal Graham, you and I have met once a year or so at Chelsea Flower Show and I missed you terribly last week when uh, we had a September show the first time ever. But quite honestly, the Chelsea Flower Show in September was a shadow of uh, its May self. But you were certainly, as far as I was concerned, missed because uh, you come not just for television and radio. You're a great tour organiser, aren't you? 
Yes, it, it, you know, it's an interesting thing that when we started the radio and the television back in 1980, an old icon of, of the media said to us, don't think you're going to last. Nobody lasts more than six or seven years <laughs> and you've got to have a fallback. And I said, look, Bernard, I've been a teacher of horticulture. I've been a parks administrator. I've worked in landscaping. I've had our own garden centre and nursery. I, I said, they're the fallback. No, no, no. And, you know, it's an amazing bit of advice, Peter. He said, no, you need to have new things to fall back onto. And I, I didn't quite understand what he meant, but Eventually, we started the Garden Club at the behest of Spike Milligan, no less. Spike came to Australia on his last visit and he suggested we start the Garden Club at a, during a, an outdoor broadcast that we had at the Royal Easter Show in Sydney. And then we started a magazine, which was a newspaper then, and we converted it to a magazine. And they're the things that we fall back onto and we started taking tours. My first tour was to Japan because there were a few of my elders were taking tours to Kirkenhof and to Chelsea and, and, and to the bulb fields in Holland and the like. So I thought, well, I'll keep away from, from their income and livelihood. And Japan fascinated me. Its plants had always fascinated me. And I, I wanted to take people to see where the camellias and the rhododendrons and the azaleas, where they grew and where they came from in the mountains and in their own garden. So we started taking a tour to Japan, and I must admit, I, I was absolutely gobsmacked that the standard of horticulture is so imperial, it's so stunning. And I've been going every year, sometimes in autumn and in spring, every year for 41 years. In fact, COVID is the first time that we've been knocked out. And then Sandra said, well, she's French, so I, I want to go to France and take tours there. And and eventually, we've now taken seven, 800 tours around the world and around Australia, which is about 70, 80, 90,000 people uh, that we've taken from down under. And now we've got incoming from America and, and other countries, China and what have you, coming to Australia. It's all been held up with COVID, but when that all fades into the future, we'll get back to travelling. And yes, I've missed Chelsea this year, although I got the same report as you've just given that it was a, a shadow of us former self hard for those, I suspect, knowing that it was going to be a little bit quieter, but uh, at least the RHS uh, put it together and put, it, put a show on. And those people who hadn't been to Chelsea before were perfectly happy with everything that was there. You know, it, it's still a, a remarkable show in this in the centre of London. But I mean, if I could take you back for a minute to Japan, Graham, could I ask your favourite trip? And why? What was it the term sticks in your memory? I've been back to Japan more often because I love the gardens. I love the people. I love the cuisine, but I do love the landscapes and I love their standard of horticulture. From a different perspective, I love travelling to Canada. The Canadians are a friendly people. They, they, they tend to consider us as cousins, had a great connection with them during the war and um, their grandparents remember that and their children remember their grandparents' connection with Australia. And I do love travelling through Canada. They have a brutal winter 
and the ground freezes. My groups have trouble coming to grips with that. Austria, I love Vienna. We did a broadcast from Vienna many, many years ago, Sandra and I. It was something like two o'clock in the morning and um, we did the whole broadcast back to Australia from Vienna and we love the gardens and, and again, the music and, and it's the connection of all those things with music and gardens in Vienna. But I've got, I've got to say, because we travel a lot in the UK, my family's from Scotland, I've got a lot of family still there and I love the gardens of the UK as we travel up and we visit them. We have a great connection, of course, with the gardens of the UK and and I've filmed so many of them. I We've filmed about 40 of them in the UK and in Scotland over the years for, for our better homes and gardens here in Australia. People keep saying, can we have Marilyn Abbott's garden, you know, West Green, can we have that garden? That We've shown that garden, I think, four or five times on Australian television and Sissinghurst and Hidcote. I think Lawrence Johnston was just brilliant. You know, I know it's an old-fashioned thing with the garden rooms, but... I do love the horticulture of Britain. It's very familiar and the plants are. And when you get into talking to the the head gardeners in these places, oh, it's heaven on a stick, Peter. (laughs) (laughs) And we take it all for granted. All those people that you've conducted to Japan and around the world, you must have had one or two experiences that make you chuckle when you get back. You know, we often get asked, people say, oh, have you had anyone die? Well, we've had one out of 70,000 and I think he was um, hell-bent on being his last journey away. But the thing, the, <laughs> the, the thing that the, I do find, um, and it's very likely the only thing that I find stressful, is people in lands that are foreign language, and it can be French or German, it doesn't need to be Japanese or Chinese. Japanese is more foreign as is Chinese, but I take more and many more tours. You know, I've had over 40 to Japan and Japan is a very foreign environment. The The language is foreign. The only thing that I do find with Japanese people is that they are enormously friendly. Yes. They can't help you because <laughs> they, <laughs> they're taught English at school, but they lose it because no one speaks it at home or at work in the main. And it was very popular, but it, Japanese has now become the dominant language once again. So English is sometimes it's little kiddies who will help their their parents to to help one of my travellers. But I I lose people for the most amazing reasons. You know, I I can remember we were going into a a large group. I I had 23, 24 people and I don't take any more than that. A lot of of, of tour operators take 60, 70 and I, I think that's ridiculous. But because you can't have a personal relationship with them. And we got to this railway station. I said, now, look, we've got a strict timing. We're strict timing here. So I said, just stick with me and you will see I'm at the front. I'll have my Kubra hat on. I'll be at the front. I, I had a, uh, a local guide who was at the back who's been with me for 30 years, Mari, and she's at the back, lovely Japanese lady. And, uh, and I said, she'll be rounding up the sheep at the back of the crowd, you know. <laughs> so we go into this station and honestly, it was peak hour. There were, there were 50, 60,000 people in this railway station. And I, I got, saw platform four and I, and I pointed four. So I put my hands up, four, four fingers, uh, you know, everyone, you know. And as we're going up, I noticed on the, uh, one of the levels going up was this tiny little shop, Peter. It, it was no bigger than a telephone booth. I just noticed out of the corner of my eye, we all got up onto the platform and 
and I counted everybody and they were all there. So I always count the group and then I point to my nose. It's a Japanese habit that I've picked up. So, you know, 23, 24, myself, 25. That's great. Okay. Now I said, now the bullet train will arrive at that dot on the platform, at that very spot where in, you know, carriage six. So I said, that's where carriage six door will open uh, at that point. And I said, it will arrive at 8.58. And they all went, oh, and I said, no, 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 don't you worry. This is the bullet train. (laughs) It arrives at 8.58 and you've got a minute to get on and a minute to let the people off. And they said, they all panic. I said, no, no, you'd be surprised. A minute's a long time. So eventually the train comes in and they all take a photograph of the bullet train. There were about 10 people got off. So we're a few seconds ahead. So then everyone bores on. So I counted them on, 24, 25, myself. Uh, okay, they're all on. So I said, please sit down, sit down. I want to count you because I've only got a minute for the train doors to close and then take off. So I count them all and I counted 23, myself 24. And I thought, goodness, it's one. Please, everybody sit down. I counted them again, 23, 24. And at that point, I looked out of the train and I noticed the shoulder of one of my group just going down the stairs. And I thought, well, there's nothing I can do now. And (laughs) the, the doors closed, the train took off. And within a train's length, it's doing 250 kilometres an hour. It's just flying out, as you know, the bullet train. It's going up to 320 kilometres an hour. It's just flying out. And I th- so everyone's panicking. And I said, don't panic. There's nothing you can do. If, something, if there was something we could do, I would tell you, just sit down. Uh, the trolley will come through and you can get a cup of tea or a cup of coffee shortly and a biscuit. To just relax. And I thought, right, well, I've got them relaxed. Now, <laughs> now my guts are sort of churning around. <laughs> so I, I, go, uh, I said, come on, Murray, we've got to find the conductor. So we went several carriages up and true enough, she explains to him in Japanese. And, and uh, so he said, oh, oh so he, she said, oh, he's, he's going to ring the station. Oh, I said, fantastic. So there's a, you know, there's a phone. This is, bef- this is uh, there were mobile phones, but he had, he had a landline on the train. So he picks up the phone, he rings the fellow answers, and I can hear this woman. I can hear her screaming. I can hear this woman screaming. And I thought, well, well, I've found Mavis. I've found where she is. She's back at the station. It's <laughs> <laughs> screaming her lungs out. And do you know what happened? They couldn't calm her down. And I'm listening to her screaming, and next thing her voice goes, ah. And I thought, oh. She's fainted. No. Well, there was a GP on the station. I, he must have had some magic potion, but she just uh, went into a blissful uh, retirement for, uh, for a few moments and just relaxed. <laughs> it calmed her down and eventually they, um, uh, they brought her on the next train with three people, three railway officials escorted her on the train. I met her at the platform Thank them all very much, um, and uh, they wouldn't accept a tip, of course. They don't in Japan, but I, uh, I did give them a very honourable bow. And um, do you know, from that, it was the third day of the tour, and we had 20 days to go, and from then on they called this Mavis, they called her the shadow, because she, if I stopped and I was walking, she would bump into me. She, she didn't, <laughs> she didn't leave my bottom for the next two weeks. <laughs> she was ten inches behind me the whole time, so I didn't ever lose her. That was very likely the most dramatic person I've ever lost. 
Graham, what a story. Yeah, yeah. and that's what, yeah, it's losing people because they get comfortable. They think, oh, this is like Sydney. This is like home. No, it's yeah. not. No. <laughs> and they get comfortable. And they're in the garden and they see azaleas and rhododendrons and roses and they think, oh, this is just like home. No, it's not. You're in someone else's country. <laughs> I've had a few like that over the years, but it's always that the gardeners get too comfortable, too relaxed because they see familiar plants. They can see people that they don't recognise, that it doesn't connect with them, that they really are very isolated and they need to stick with the tour leader very closely <laughs> like the shadow. <laughs> that was part one of our interview with Graham. As I mentioned earlier, next week we'll be hearing more about Graham's home country, Australia. And for my tailpiece, well, it was a question to an elderly gardener. And uh, they were asked, what do you plan to grow next year? And the considered reply, older and crankier. <laughs> well, we'll all grow older. And the whole world appears to be getting crankier as far as I can see. We need to switch off all the media and lose ourselves in the garden. Have a good week. And uh, until then, thanks again for listening. Thanks this week to sponsor Bonningale Nurseries in Shropshire. To my producer, Rich Jarman, and of course, to you for listening. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 